Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hello, this is Kevin L. Jackson, and it's a beautiful day here in Northern Virginia, where I'm excited to be presenting Digital Transformers on Supply Chain Now. With me today is Scott Luton out of Atlanta. Hey, Scott, it's going to be 80 degrees here in the nation's capital. How are things down south? Gorgeous, gorgeous. My, I'm looking right out my uh, office studio here. Flowers are blooming. The squirrels are taking all my bird food, <laughs> but it, it is gorgeous. Wow. I mean, uh, spring has sprung and it's almost summer. I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, everybody's getting their vaccines. We'll be able to get out of the home office. So, uh, wow. And, and uh, to, uh, you know, cap it all, all off, we're going to talk today about the strategic value hidden in the cash conversion cycle with uh, Jeremy Dukas of Esker. Can you believe that? I can't get much better than that. Scott? <laughs> the king of conversion. That's right. Uh, CX, EX, UX, XYZ, oh. <laughs> digital transformers right here on Supply Chain Now. Oh, wow. This is exactly why we do this. You know, Esker has a cloud computing platform that uses artificial intelligence to just transform the way customers and suppliers interact. They have found a way to serve customers better by promoting more productive and engaged employees. That that really sounds like a transformative undertaking. How do you think they can do that, Scott? We're going to we're going to find out today. And and you know, I think we've got several great stories that will be universal and transferable uh to what we're all experiencing as we get through you know, these, these crazy times that we're experiencing right now. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe we can get Jeremy to expose their secrets. But, uh, but, but first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Digital Names by Total Network Services. If you enjoy today's conversation, be sure to find and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. So now, drumroll please, I would like to get Jeremy in on the conversation to tell us the secrets behind Esker's success. Welcome, Jeremy. Hey there. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. No, thank you. Thank you very much. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and Esker. Where are you from? Oh, about myself. Who doesn't like to talk about themselves? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so I'm, I'm a Midwestern guy. I, uh, I, I've grown up in Wisconsin. I live in Wisconsin here all uh, throughout my entire life. I had a uh, a quick stop off in Italy while I was uh, studying in college. But, you know, growing up in Milwaukee is, is very much a, a, a blue collar town. Good folks, lots of factories, lots of beer. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been uh, it, it's been very, very important in my upbringing where I grew up. Um, you know, a lot of who I am today just kind of stems from being a kid and picking up all the things that I did and, and now using them as I, uh, I venture outside of Wisconsin and, and start talking to folks both uh, across the U.S. and internationally as well. Oh, I'd like to have some more anecdotes about your upbringing. But the first question I have 
is what was in your bottle? Was it beer or milk? <laughs> uh, a little bit of both. You know, it was kind of like a milk with a beer chaser. All right. <laughs> well, so, so really quick, you know, yeah. uh, I believe that Harley Davidson is based in the greater Milwaukee area, as is the big brand uh, Briggs & Stratton. Uh, some, some of our listeners may not know that Milwaukee, uh, like you said, Jeremy, uh, big industry town, a lot of hardworking, good folks. So I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing how that does impact, um, how you do and what you do day in and day out. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Lots of, uh, lots of big industry, lots of history. Um, you know, and some of those places have moved on to, to greener pastures, but there's still a, a strong foundation of, uh, of those businesses, those organizations and the, the people that really make them go. You were in Italy for a while. So uh, is that where you got your classical art background? So tell us a little bit about that. See, I've been doing my research. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's uh, that, that was really the, the culmination of my art education. So as you can imagine, you know, kids, they don't uh, they don't pick up a, a crayon and start writing Tolstoy's War and Peace. It's mm -hmm. more or less uh, drawing stick figures and whatever, uh, whatever is really their big interest. So that, that was no different from me. Um, but I, uh, eventually dropped the crayons and started picking up some more sophisticated art media, um, wow. and, uh, and really focused on drawing, painting, uh, and then get the opportunity to, uh, to go to Florence and, uh, and work on restoring some 16th century Italian paintings. So, you know, they, they trusted me enough to, uh, <laughs> to not, uh, not do any more damage uh, to the, to the work that was there. And, and, you know, there's so much art yeah. and so it's so old, they've got warehouses and churches and, and any kind of facility full of these things. So they, they, uh, they let the youngsters work on it, you know? So I was 19 years old and, and shaping the, the, the restoration of these priceless paintings. How stressful was that? Well, <laughs> not very, because you always had a master kind of walking oh. around, a master restorer, making sure that you weren't doing too much damage. And mm. but you know, it's really an honor, and it just kind of makes you makes you uh, think that uh, you know you're kind of a small speck in the grand scheme of of, of our history as a as a human species. Mm -hmm. So it's, it is very humbling. Oh, there's so many questions, so little time on this, Kevin. <laughs> um, yeah, but there's a lot of reasons I love. Uh, hearing this story, it came up in, in our in our pre-show conversation. You know, there's something for everybody in global supply chain and global technology. Whether you study classical art, uh, or if you come from a STEM background, or whatever it is, we need all and 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 folks, the creative thinkers. Gosh, we need we need that in in scores to solve some old and new challenges. So I love hearing that about your background, Jeremy. One final question before we talk your pre professional journey: Do you still dabble? In, in art uh, beyond crayons today. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. In fact, my, my office here at home, which is where I am, kind of doubles as my art studio. So what you guys are, are viewing is just kind of the plain business background. If I were to flip my camera around, uh, you'd see a little bit more, a uh, little bit more interesting uh, images and paint supplies and art tables and things like that. So we'll, we'll keep it professional, but uh <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I, I do uh, try to maintain that. And yeah, if I'm on a plane traveling for work, sketchbook always comes with me. It's kind of a, it's a good way to kill two to three hours on a plane. Yeah, I know they, uh, 
But didn't they do a lot of nudes in classical art? Well, never mind. We digress. <laughs> it's different series. <laughs> different series. Um, however, we are going to get Jeremy to and paint us a picture indeed. More on the technology side. So more, more to come on that uh, momentarily. But first, Kevin. Let's get a sense as we continue to kind of get a, a sense of Jeremy's perspective and, and, and context and really worldview. Uh, so, Jeremy, professionally, talk to us before your current role. Talk to us about a couple of key positions that help shape that worldview. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, it was a journey indeed. As you can imagine, there's not a, a huge market out there for the starving artist. So coming out of college, I had quite a few uh, different jobs that uh, eventually led me into technology. Um, in, in my, uh, first big job in, uh, in technology was working with a company that provided both hardware and software solutions to companies of all sizes. And it was really focused on working with the IT departments and developing their infrastructure back then it cloud was just starting to get going. So I really got to see how people in these companies were, were really, uh, either gravitating toward the idea of kind of letting some of their infrastructure and their, their architecture go and, uh, and lean on some of these uh, early cloud providers. Um, but I saw the, the flip side of it too, where people just, they don't want to let it outside of their four walls. So they, they, start to, uh, they start to close up and then ultimately puts more burden on them as professionals in IT uh, and it makes, their, it makes their lives a lot more demanding. Yeah, those server huggers, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> new term. I'm going to write that one down, Kevin. Learn something new every time I rub elbows. With, I, do, with... I do like that. I do like that. <laughs> Negative and positive connotation right there. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, anything else you want to share about previous positions before we talk about that proverbial eureka moment? Um, yeah. You know, as, as I... Uh, as I grew through my, uh, my career early in IT, um, I really got a sense of, of what was really driving people. And, and a lot of it back then was IT ruled the roost. They said, this is what you can have. This is what you can use. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But as, uh, as time went on and there, were, there started to become more consumer devices out in the market, we saw a lot of uh, C-level executives saying, you know, I have this in my personal life. This is really cool. I want to use it at work. So they more or less went to IT and said, you will put this on our network. You will support it. And that really started the boom of what I'm seeing today now is, is business is driving and they're really looking to their IT colleagues to help support their initiatives. So it's, it, it, it's opened up a lot of what companies are doing because it's not so much tunnel vision and that's nothing against IT folks. But, uh, you know, they tend to be very focused on what's going to be stable, what's going to be easy to support. And, and really, that can end up limiting, um, you know, what the business could be capable of if they have the right tools in place. Yeah, that consumerization of IT really removed the blinders, so to speak, for the IT teams. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Okay, so you already you kind of touched on some some critical lessons learned in, in your last few comments there, but what else really sticks out as a, as a, uh, a powerful Eureka moment as part of this professional journey of yours? 
what's a tough one, Scott? I wasn't ready for that. Uh, <laughs> you know, one moment, honestly, I don't think there was one moment. The, the key for me was always just keeping my eyes and ears open and paying attention to the little things. The sum of those is really what started to, to hit home for me. So it was necessarily a one, you know, hey, do you know the exact time and date? No. Um, you know, it's it's been a career of, you know, 15 plus years of, of basically trying to be a student of wherever I am, um, you know, and some of that goes back to, to my art training because you really are more or less an observer, um, not so much the, the actor, but the casual person that sits and tries to learn. And, and that has led to, um, you know, where I'm at now with Esker and, and basically seeing what people are capable of even when they look to scale that kind of thing, they're, whatever they're trying to do out to a, a global stage. Seek ye first to understand. I'm not sure who ever said that first, but you know, Jeremy, you strike me after several conversations we've had with you as, as a true student, whomever, whatever organization you're trying to help, go in there and understand the current state, understand the objectives, and apply technology in a practical way, not, not the latest bell, whistle, or gadget. So I bet folks appreciate that about you. I hope so. That's kind of what I strive for. At the end of the day, it has to be their choice, not mine. And, and I'm merely there to lend some insights, some experience, and then put it out to them as to what they think is going to be the best move for them next. Love it. Okay. So before I toss it back over to Kevin, of course, Esker uh, is uh, your organization. I want to, for the three folks that may not know about Esker, uh, I want to make sure folks understand what, what the company does because y'all received going back here just recently a number of different awards, uh, Food Logistics 2020, uh, Top 100 uh, Software Providers, Software and Technology Providers, and several others here just in the month of April. Um, so clearly you're all being recognized for what you do, but what, in a nutshell, what does Esker do? Yeah, well, thanks for the the, the few plugs there. I appreciate that. I'd like to say it was all me, but. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, it's, I'm, I'm the one. Ribbons? I'm, I'm <laughs> ribbons the camera, so I get all the attention. Yeah, so so where organizations are really leveraging the technology that we're offering is, is on the order to cash and pay to pay um, cycles that every company, no matter how big, how small you are, doesn't matter your industry, you've got back office processes. Um, if you're a large company, you probably have back office processes from one location to another that look nothing alike. Um, so where folks are looking to, uh, to, to use this type of artificial intelligence process document automation is uh, to help um, streamline their processes, create some consistency across the board, um, take away a lot of the manual tasks that are involved in a day-to-day -day accounts payable or customer service role. Back to IT, we're, we're trying to take some of the burden off of them. And that's where people are really recognizing a lot of value is, is having, uh, you know, one cloud platform that they can use to really drive a lot of what keeps their business going. Yeah, I hate to use the term lifeblood, but mm. it is pretty appropriate um, because that's if you don't have cash coming in and, and going out, you're really uh, you're really going to struggle for you know for a bit. Absolutely, is lifeblood. Uh, whether you're a small business, medium business, or a global empire, um, so I, I like that uh, analogy. But Kevin, yeah, uh, where are we going from here? Yeah, I think that's important. But one thing, you know, we were talking about how the the history of business, so to speak, and uh, before the consumerization of IT, 
that was the world that was a world where the customer is always first, right? And whatever the customer said, uh, the customer is always right. And it was employees be damned, right? <laughs> but I was really impressed by one of the earlier conversations we had, where you know Esca is really focused on optimizing both the customer experience and the employee experience. And maybe many other organizations are following your lead in, in, in that. Can you uh, maybe talk a little bit about the customer experience versus the employee experience in order management, digital order management, and how you use the cloud to uh, optimize on both of those? Yeah, so it's it, it, it's pretty amazing that such a simple concept has really taken a, a, a while to catch on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from my perspective, if you're not keeping your customers happy, if you're not keeping your vendors happy, uh, nobody's going to want to work with you. So it, 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 it really boils down to something as simple as that. And, uh, and just this year, I heard a term and it was actually shared with us by uh, the CEO of our company. It was positive sum growth. You know, it's amazing that you, you talk about a Eureka moment. Scott, that, that's it for me right there. Mm. Um, I'll say that it, it is, is really just um, putting a name to a concept that we've really been trying to drive home with, uh, with people that are, are, are taking a look at this type of technology in the marketplace. And, and what it boils down to is, is that there's enough good to go around for everybody. If I'm, a, if I'm running a company and I uh, buy into a solution or bring a tool in, yes, it's going to help my my people that are actually using it, but what about the other departments in the uh, in the company? You know, can they benefit? Yeah, absolutely. What about our customers externally? What about our business partners? So it's really this whole idea of we can help one another be successful, and it doesn't have to be solely focused on this one department or this one person. So really, that's uh, that's been a, a just a. a an awakening for me is that, oh yeah, okay, now, and now it's catching on. You know, I yeah. even Googled it. I was like, oh, is that a, is that an original or, uh, <laughs> or did he, did he find that somewhere? And, and you Google it and you, you find some articles, you find some thought leadership uh, pushing that, that term around. But I think it's really going to catch on now because, um, you know, uh, coming out of this pandemic mm-hmm. uh, that we've all really had to struggle with, I'd say the only way the vast majority of, of companies are going to survive and then start to, to flourish again is if we are thinking about one another. You know, there, there's no monopoly when, you know, the entire economy crashes down around you. What, what are you going to monopolize? You're going to, there's nothing there. So I'd, I'd say that's a, a, been a pretty big driver for people looking at these order to cash and procure to pay tools. They just may not know it. So one of the things that uh, we're seeing in the uh, business environment is the growth of the term uh, ecosystem and that uh, replying to the fact that you operate in a business ecosystem with customers and suppliers and even in many, t- many uh, areas with your competitors. And it's sort of a dance of uh, communications and data. So it's it and it seems to me that this digital order management is a way of communicating, exchanging data across uh, your ecosystem. Is is that in line with the, the way you see it? 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, that's right, right in there. And, and um, you have these platforms that, that people are really drawn to because and I'm going to go back to my art training again. And if I'm, if I'm boring you with this, um, let me know, but you know, for myself and my own personal life, I look at my role in what I'm doing and whatever I'm doing is, is try to be a Renaissance man, try to be an expert in as much as you can, but know that you're never going to get there. So there's this whole concept of, of continuous improvement. And I apply that to what I see out there in the business world. IT, business, it, it makes no matter what role you play in your company, you want singularity in terms of unified tools. You want consistency. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what job you perform, you want a platform. And I think that's why some companies do really well when they offer tools that span the the, the entire need of an organization, not just being a one trick pony where it's, well, we do this really well, because then what happens is, is companies have to buy into them and then they got to go elsewhere uh, to fill a gap in somewhere else within their, their organization. So um, yeah, I think that uh, really order management and, and digitalization of that process goes beyond just taking orders in, fulfilling orders. There, there's so many other areas and so many other people that those processes touch that if you can find a way to reach them, now you've got a secret sauce. Yeah, it sounds like it's all about that transparency and visibility into the process. What do you think about that, Scott? I, I think it's, it's uh, table stakes for doing business these days. Uh, you know, not only do business leaders and employees and team members demand it, but perhaps even more importantly, consumers demand it. So I love I love your take, uh, what you're sharing here, Jeremy. And you know, we'll talk as much classical art as you like. Kevin's middle, middle name is Leonardo, <laughs> by the way. You may not know that. Uh, but I think there the are turtle. so many parallels. I think. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it is. It really is fascinating because we've got to be so creative in how we design and how we engage and how we meet the consumer where they are and 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 how they want to conduct business and and. And oh, oh, by the way, there are so many great challenges. Um, again, those that have persisted forever uh, that we still can't quite solve or, or not even come close. And then those that pop up, like so many new ones have popped up uh, as as we've shifted to remote work or as we've shifted to um, you know the fight against COVID-19 or whatever it is. And then whatever it'll be in 2022, you know, the curveballs, the only guarantee is that they keep coming. You're just not sure exactly in what form or fashion. So I I love. We'll, we'll we'll keep talking this classical art angle because there's so many important transferable lessons learned to uh, digital transformation and, and supply chain. I was just gonna. I like the fact that you use the term creativity um, because it, it it's extremely relevant. And I think if you can look at things in different ways, that's where you come up with business solutions that are really going to help drive to your bigger picture goals, exceeding revenue goals, margin goals. Um, you know, driving cash flow and things like that, that yeah, leaders, they, they, they wanted, they have to be focused on that, but there's, there's so much more that falls underneath it. And I think the only way to get to those, um, to those apexes is, is really to think about how can we do it different? How can we not settle in? So kudos to you. That's a good word. Well said. So Kevin, I think we're going to, um, there's a, a couple and, and Jeremy's kind of touched on a couple of different examples when it comes to uh, CX and EX, right? Customer yeah. experience, 
and the employee experience. But is that where we want to go next? Kind of share some some deeper examples. Well, one of the things I was thinking, I really liked the term. Uh, he called himself a Renaissance man, right? You know, um, and 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 in your in your role as you are uh, working with your customers, um, you know, do you lead them through a Renaissance? How does how does Esca help its customers in uh, reinventing their own processes? Yeah, I'm going to clarify one thing though, Kevin. Is I'm trying to be a Renaissance man. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, uh, that that's just kind of a lifelong journey. That uh, you continuous know, improvement, as yeah, you said, right? Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, absolutely. That's that's what um, that's the way I approach working with people. And, and I'll tell you a quick story of a, a customer that uh, manufacturing industry. Had a, a pretty decent sized group of, of customer service reps, you know, up in the, the mid 20s. Mm-hmm. And my first visit on site, I'm talking to the, the director of that group. And, and he says, look, I, uh, I told everybody you were coming. You're going to be doing some observation. Give us your insight at the end of the day. But I didn't tell them. I told them you were from a paperless company, not an <laughs> automation company, because they hear automation and they go, oh, my job. Robots are going to take over, <laughs> and uh, you know it, it's okay. All right, you know, and and that's where I think that that was a, a big miss on on that individual's part in trying to socialize that automation is is creativity. It's it's change, but it it, it can really be good change. Um, but he used it more of a well, we're going to dodge that and then drop a bomb on him later if we decide to go <laughs> with you and let him know, hey, uh, this is what we're doing. So. Yeah, I think um, if you don't get people starting to think about change in a positive way, because nobody likes it, we have mm-hmm. heard that over and over. But if you can get them to start realizing that, ah, you know, if we just shift our perspective a little bit, it's going to be good for me. It's going to be good for my coworkers and my customers, and and really that that's the whole goal. If 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 you're really going to invest thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars in technology, you want it to reach, yeah. you know, and not just impact one person. So really it's um, you know, just kind of opening, opening your mind, if you will. And with, with spring in full bloom, I think that's a, a great parallel and a, you know, something that we can all relate to at this point. Yeah, I think it's always about getting humans to do what humans are good at. And that's using their mind, using their brain, using their imagination striving to become that renaissance person as opposed to uh, the drudgery of what robots do you know I, I always think of it think of it that way that it releases the human to do human things <laughs> <laughs> a powerful yeah, visual uh, yeah yeah it's it's a it's a great it's a great way to think about it and I, I i tend to do that myself so yeah i mean let the robots do what they're good at let the people do what they're good at. And it's really so much more than what the robots are good at. Yeah. You know, give it 20 years and maybe the robots will catch up, but I, I still doubt it. (laughs) So let's talk about remote working and the impact that can have on businesses. I think you've had a lot of experiences there and and y'all see that regularly with your customers, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, for a lot of companies, they were, they were thrown into the into the lion's den when when CDC and whoever else in public authority and health said you can't go into offices and, and work, so you got to be home. 
And there were some people that had set themselves up for remote working, leveraging cloud tools as many as you can. That's a great way mm-hmm. to do it. Um, but there were some companies that were, you know, they lost days, some even weeks of productivity because they didn't have the IT infrastructure built up for their employees to work at home. Now, once they did, and then factoring in the people that were set up right away, everybody I've talked to has said, you know, they're thriving. They're, they're working. Maybe their hours are a little off, you know, because they're not eight to five strictly, but they're productive. They're getting what they need to do during the day, but then they're spending a little time on their own unprompted, um, you know, taking time away from their personal life, their families, their friends, and doing a little bit of work just because they have the ability to do that at home. So, you know, even before this, we scratched the surface with work from home hours that teams had to earn, you know, it was like a gift. It was, you know, a privilege. Um, (laughs) And, you know, with what happened over the past year, it was uh, a necessity and, it, I think people are, are finding that it's definitely possible and it's with the help of certain technologies out there that offer that work from home experience, it's, it's really been a good thing for business. Well, you're, you're talking, you know, once again about the employee experience. Do you think that is here to stay? How, how, how should people look at this post-COVID world? <laughs> are we going back to quote no, normal or is this uh, work from home thing now the new normal? Yeah, I think that's a, a, a pretty interesting tightrope to walk because while you've got happy people able to work from home, if you're in a bigger city, you're cutting out your commute, you're able to spend more time you know, with friends, family, because you don't have that hour, two hour long drive. Right. But I think the risk is you, you might start to sacrifice or see a degradation of teamwork. You know, we've got webcams, we've got good audio devices. But looking at a two-dimensional screen um, and, and, you know, try to relate to your coworkers or share ideas, it doesn't always work because you can't talk, you can't, you can't interrupt, you know, everybody's kind of a, well, let me talk, pause, and then somebody <laughs> else can talk. Uh, I know we've all done the Zoom happy hours and, and they're fine if that's your only option. But I think once offices can start opening up, we'll see a, a, a small exodus of people out of their homes back into the office. And I think that's a good thing because I, I definitely don't want to see everybody, you know, in their sweats working from home and, <laughs> uh, and, and, and losing that team vibe that is really important. And depending on what your role is at your company, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, it's really a, a key thing that, that shouldn't be overlooked, in my opinion. So, you know, Kevin mentioned earlier about IT is unleashing the beast and letting, you know, humans really explore the art of the possible, essentially. However, kind of, kind of, not exactly the opposite, but on, on a different foot. How can we take some of the pressure off IT's plate? Because that they've got, you know, the IT pros, the technologists, the smart people like like Kevin and Jeremy here, they're they're, they're powering so much right now, right? Uh, you gotta you gotta hug on your servers, as, as Kevin said earlier, because <laughs> everyone's depending on it. How, Jeremy? How have you seen um, uh, companies and business leaders and solutions take some of that pressure off? these, these, uh, these IT plates. Yeah. I think people are being really smart and really careful about how they migrate into cloud applications. Now you've got the big well-known companies out there that are offering platforms, um, for their workers. And it's almost a no brainer to invest in those different types of technologies. But, um, what I see is, is people going into this journey with a thought 
process of this is a big change. Mm. We're not going to enter into it lightly. We're really going to do our research on what's available in the market. But ultimately, it is going to come down to who's a solid player, who's got industry experience, who's got connectivity and strong platforms that are going to be able to help me in just more than one area of my business. And those are the players that are really going to get a, a good look from companies out there. So yeah, I've, I've seen it where even, even uh, companies that I had been working with for years, they're always taking a look. They're mm-hmm. always curious as to what else is out there. And they, and they should, they should do that because they may find something that's a better fit for them. But um, because that's happening, I think a lot of the companies that started off saying, you know, we're going to offer this one tool that's going to help you in this one little facet of your company, um, start to say to themselves internally, what else, what else are we going to do? And, and I, uh, I, I had a, a, an executive uh, in IT leadership um, come into a company. She was brand new and, and she wanted to talk with me about, um, you know, all right, what, what have my colleagues and what are my predecessors really talking to you about? What, what about this? this order automation process that they're looking at. So we had a, a nice chat and I said, well, this is what's been looked at. And after that, she, she, she said, what else can you do? <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Well, oh. What else you got for me? Yeah. I think that's very telling. <laughs> well, as uh, Oscar is uh, leading the industry, how do you deal with change uh, with, with, with your customers? What are you, how are you answering that question? You know, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I, I, I think that the core of it comes down to really understanding uh, what our customers and, and what prospective customers are, are really looking for. You know, we don't do anything in R&D development without getting real world feedback from our customers or, or other people that are just taking a look at us. And I always tell people, hey, you're, you're taking a look at us. My sales cap is off. I just want to listen and you tell me, are we, are we driving down the right lane here? Are we, are we starting to hit the mark with what you would really need in a real world situation? And, uh, and that it's nice. It it really, it gets them engaged and it it starts to be a, a a free flowing conversation of ideas rather than just a, a sales pitch and a, a prayer for a sale. So, um, you know, that, that's where we really focus on is, is just listening to what, what those folks are saying and then keeping up on, you know, just market publications, listening to what Gartner and the other big industry analysts have right. to say. Um, you know, that really is our, our spirit guide when we're, when we're uh, trying to, uh, to figure out, well, how do we, how do we develop or how do we better our solutions um, to meet these real world needs? Well said. Okay. So we've talked a lot about uh, different illustrations uh, as uh, that you're seeing as it relates to you know the CX, the EX, the UX, you name it, um, especially from that that order man, that digital order management standpoint. Let's go a little bit broader here as we start to wind down on the conversation. You know what else have we not talked about here today that you're really tracking and got your finger on the pulse of when it comes to global business? Well, you know, I, I what I see is a, a big miss and opportunity with a lot of people is is getting that change agent agent uh, to to step in and say, okay, globally, what are we doing? And um, you know, it's almost a little bit like a culture war. Mm-hmm. You see, from one region of the world to another, they've got their processes, they've got the companies they like working with, and you never like to be the guy that comes in and boots out a solution mm-hmm. or or a vendor or a partner that that is really doing some good work. 
but in service of, of trying to unify organizations globally, or even looking at the, the, the SMB space with smaller type companies, you want to set those folks up a good trajectory and growth. Because mm-hmm. as you scale, um, it, it's easy to say, well, we've been doing it this way for 10 years and we've been successful. So I think that that's something that a lot of uh, forward thinkers but it's, it's hard to find those in mm. some cases, to be honest. Um, they're, they're looking at things in that way, but that's where I see a lot of, uh, well, you hit it, Scott, with, with X as the common denominator experience. You know, do you want people to have the same experience just as they have for years and years and years? Or do you want to maybe push the envelope a little, little bit and say, we're going to try something new and it's going to change your experience but, you know, we'll find out if it's if, if it was worth, uh, you know, worth the endeavor. So I think that that's a big thing. But then also I'd mentioned earlier, um, taking a look at a process like sales order processing, what else is, is happening in that department? Customer service, account management. They're not just placing orders. They're taking quote requests. They're tracking. They are trying to upsell. So I, I think where where the uh, the leaders in in technology offerings when it comes to automation are really doubling down is that whole what else attitude what else can we do what else do people need um, and I think that's that that's a, a definitely um, something I'm expecting to see more and more is is people asking well what else can it do because yeah you may be solving my current problem but how are you going to help me track toward this bigger vision that I have, because you know, things are going to go wrong mm. in the future. You know, things are good. You're going to get those curveballs. It's mm. inevitable. But if you've got your mind position for, well, okay, I know it's coming. So what can we do to prepare? I, those are the ones that are going to succeed now for the next 10 years before mm. you know, something happens. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you need some more digital transformers on your team. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Yes. yes. Well, that it sounds like that, and it also sounds, um, you know, we, we're we're reaching the holistic hour of the information age, and and as Jeremy's pointing to, rather than than this tiny solution that helps these three people here, or this tiny this bell and whistle that helps this department here, we've got to really embrace and 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 view the system at the systems level, right? Um, upstream and downstream. What what's the holistic solution that's going to answer that question? Well, what else you got? So, Jeremy, I, I love hearing your perspective, uh, but Kevin, that's just some of my what I'm hearing Jeremy say. What what else are you hearing, uh, Jeremy, t- t- tell us? Well, you know, he's talking about the experience and also the communication up and down the chain. I, I think the consumer uh, experience and the employee experience they both depend upon uh, a communications channel that's established, a clear communications channel that's established between the two. And no matter what product or service that you're delivering, uh, giving both sides uh, visibility and transparency in, in what's going on with respect to the uh, supply chain and the delivery processes, um, you know where the products are coming from, where they're going. I think it's in the end, it's all about that communication. And when you have a service or offering uh, that's uh, um, ubiquitous, like cloud. The cloud services that Esker is delivering, I think that's that's where the world needs to go. Mm. Yeah, you, 
it's, it's becoming table stakes, undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so Jeremy, I, uh, I'm sure, especially y'all two, uh, Jeremy and Kevin could talk digital transformation for, for hours to come, but we got to kind of uh, uh, pull up for now. But let's make sure folks know how to connect with you and the Esker team, Jeremy. So how can, how can folks compare notes with you? Yeah, I, I, uh, Esker uh, website is a great way. Um, you know, there's always that lovely contact us form um, that, that we love to have folks go and visit and uh, put their info out there. There's also a lot of good information on the website. It's esker.com, E-S-K-E-R.com. You know, it's a good way to get in touch with us. It's also a good way to do a little bit of research on your own. Um, it's so big with, with folks now, they don't necessarily uh, want you involved in that that first phase or first step of the process, which is fine. So there's an opportunity to do that with all kinds of goodies and downloads and things like that. Um, so I'd say the main way, um, eventually you might get routed to me. And if you do, then uh, I'll be happy to talk to you. Otherwise, I've got many, many capable coworkers that are, are also chomping at the bit to uh, to learn and, and, and talk to folks out there and see what their experience is and see how, uh, how they could use our help. So I guess that's uh, renaissance man at eskers.com. Right? Oh. <laughs> no. yep, you got it. <laughs> Thank you for that info, Jeremy. Absolutely. Well, so we're going to make it easy, Kevin. We're going to make it really easy. So, of course, esker.com is the site that, that Jeremy's talking to. We're mm-hmm. going to uh, drop a lot of links in the show notes so folks have that one click to connect. Uh, also, Kevin, we've got an awesome webinar coming up in July. How often do you hear awesome webinar in the same sense? But, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but this is really going to be, you know, the cloud space and and um, uh, order order to cash and all the things that makes makes that happen in this current era. There's a ton of uh, thought leadership and best practices. We're going to dive in deeper in a webinar the last week in July. And we're going to make it easy. We're going to put a link to that webinar to sign up for free in the show notes of this podcast episode as well. So, uh, Jeremy, it has been a pleasure to have you here on Digital Transformers with with uh, our fearless leader, Kevin L. Jackson, <laughs> here at Supply Chain Now, and really appreciate your perspective. One final question before I toss it back over to Kevin. How are the Brewers going to finish up this year, this baseball <laughs> season? Well, I think we've got uh, a full season, 162 games. That's uh, That'll take us to the world series. So I'm, I'm calling it right here, man. Oh, wow. right. <laughs> Going bold. I like that. We've been nipping at the heels of, uh, of those playoff contenders. So I think this year could be the year. I'm going to write that down and we're going to have you back to see <laughs> That's you right. know, support your call. There. In October. <laughs> we have to bet a butter burger on, on that uh, prediction there, Jeremy. But, uh, we'll save that for next time. All right. Jeremy Dukers with Esker. Thanks so much. Kevin. Yep. We seem to be uh, out of time. So uh, I'd like to thank and invite everyone to check out a wide variety of industry thought leadership at supplychainnow.com. And you you can find this in other podcasts. Please, wherever you subscribe on your podcast, please click that uh, supplychainnow.com. And don't forget Digital Transformers. So on behalf, of the entire team here at Supply Chain Now. And this is Kevin Jackson and Scott Luton wishing all of our listeners a bright and transformational future. We'll see you next time on Digital Transformers. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. 
Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.